0: Hello, I'm Ramey.
1: And this is Dakota.
0: And you are listening to Leveling Duo, the podcast where two good friends talk about video games they've enjoyed throughout the years.
1: Yeah, and you know what we're talking about today?
0: You told me and I've done forgot the name.
1: (laughs) I was going to be talking about uh, an old PlayStation 2 title I played back in the day, Wild Arms 3. Basically, in a nutshell, it's uh, the third installment of the Wild Arms series. It's a JRPG series that has like a Wild West motif mm-hmm. uh, generally throughout the entirety of it, and it was uh, released in North America in 2002, and uh, it was actually re-released in May of 2016 for the PS4. However, I'm pretty sure that is purely a digital remake. I don't think there's a physical copy for it. It was a pretty good game. I uh, tried to play it through to completion, however, somehow I had softlocked the game, and... Even when I tried to, like, play it back through from the very beginning, it happened again. So, I did a little bit of research and found out that sometimes just some copies of the game were bad.
0: Oh, no. In that
1: sense. So, just so, as a disclaimer for all listeners, if you do decide to play it one day, your best bet would probably be to try to do the digital version on PlayStation just because I believe that they have, like, fixed any bugs and issues from the PS2 version.
0: I'd hope so. I looked it up. It's on the PS Store in the U.S. for 14
1: Yes, I mean, like, it's fairly cheap. And I mean, like, and I think it's a pretty decent game if you like JRPGs. And again, it's got, like, that Wild West motif to it.
0: I like the Wild West theme. Not a big fan of Westerns, but I do like the Western-themed things, like Fallout New Vegas or Aquila City and Starfield. All of them are Western-themed
1: Pretty much in a nutshell, your main character, the one that you uh, play as, is uh, Virginia Maxwell. Uh, She's what's known as a drifter, or adventurer, basically. Just another word for adventure in this world. And is uh, exploring the world of Phil Gaia. It's a uh, desert planet uh, that's, again, got that Wild West theme to it. At the very beginning of the game, the kind of introduction to everything, like how the combat system works, and a lot of your other characters, and there's several cutscenes involved is uh, you're traveling on a train and there's a robbery going on and you basically find out that it's like legit bad guys trying to pull off the heist. So Virginia like steps in to try to stop them and at the same time three other drifters that uh, show up that basically do the same thing that you do. And the character of Virginia is very much kind of like that. Like we all need to stick together. We all need to cooperate. We all need to be good to each other kind of thing. And at first, the other drifters aren't really kind of, like, into it, but she is able to convince them to travel together for a certain period of time until, as the plot develops, like, they get separated, do their own thing, story kind of bounces back and forth, and then you reunite later on. Average play time for the game, if you're wanting to play it, like, through to the end, is about 30-40 hours, apparently. However, if you're wanting to 100% the game, you're looking at closer to about 80 hours. If you're wanting to do every single thing possible.
0: Well, it's a fair amount of time for a game at the time. I'm guessing. I didn't play many RPGs in this day and age, back in then.
1: I mean, I liked it. It it was just kind of like another, again, JRPG. You could follow the story, explore around the world. Uh, There were secret dungeons, secret bosses, that kind of thing. The way this game worked, though, is that all the characters used ARMS. Like all capitals, A-R-M. Uh, which was a uh, like quote-unquote magical firearm and that's what allowed them to uh, do their basic attacks and also be able to wield magic. Then per the plot, you come to find out that everyone in your party are the destined protectors of the planet, like they're supposed to bring back the vitality of the planet and like, you know, remove it from the desert wasteland era that they're in. They're able to channel what's known as guardians Which are basically these spiritual protectors of the land. Yeah. And each of the characters can equip them. They have like different abilities and stuff. That's what dictates what kind of spells they can use. And it also allows them to, uh, they can equip the guardians with different items and accessories, armor. Which uh, gives them bonuses as well, depending on which one that they've got equipped. One thing I didn't like about that system though, is that whenever you went to take an item off, it was destroyed. It was gone for good. So you had to be picky.
0: Yeah. I'd be afraid to lose something in case I switched for something I didn't care for in the long run.
1: Well, the way it kind of worked, though, was that as the game progressed, like, you got access to, like, better and better stuff you could equip with, like, abilities and stuff. Yeah. Like, you'd start off with stuff that was, like, poison resistance. But then later on, you get stuff like counterattack, which was typically a little bit more useful in the long run.
0: It sounds like a lot of anime you watch with, you know, magic affiliations, Mm. depending on what's kind of linked to your attribute of choice or what you're born with. Mm.
1: But you could like switch around the different guardians to different people. So they weren't like stuck with like one thing. So like if you wanted one character that got a boost from if the guardian like when you equip them to somebody like equip the uh increase their attack but also increase their special attack by a lot like their magic attack, then it would make more sense to give that to a character that had like a higher special attack stat to kind of like boost their like overall output.
0: Uh, when you said that, I thought that was just something they were stuck with the one particular
1: One odd thing that was kind of, like, different that I kind of, like, did enjoy with this particular JRPG was, like, the overworld. Uh, Like, whenever you got on the world map, like, you couldn't just, like, go straight, like, to the new location. Uh, You actually had to talk to NPCs and get information on, like, where it was located. And then once you did that, it would actually, like, appear on your map. And so that was, like, how, like, you had to actively, like, engage the NPCs. In order to be able to, like, find the location of the next town or area to go to. That way you couldn't just, like, openly explore.
0: Yeah, they had you a little bit railroaded, but not to the point of being game-breaking or unpleasant.
1: Like, I thought it was, like, a nice little challenge. Plus, I mean, like, it made you, like, engage with the townsfolk and stuff. Like, to where, like, you... Got a little bit more, like, involved in depth with the game.
0: Was there a way to know which ones you're supposed to talk to, or do you have to talk to all of them? Or?
1: Well, I mean, like, there would be, like, key figures in the town that you could talk to that was more likely than the others. Okay. But there wasn't, like, a huge surplus of NPCs in the towns to talk to. Like usually like every town like have two or three little areas to them, maybe five or six NPCs to each one. So even if you did have to talk to every single one, it was not usually too tedious to have to do so.
0: I've played some RPGs, I'm sure we all have if we listen to this podcast, where I don't mind not knowing where I'm supposed to go sometimes. Mm-hmm. But if you give me a whole town of people and says talk to this person and there's no way to know who this person is or, or anything like that... And I have to wander around for like 30 minutes talking to everybody in town or every NPC. It's just got some random dialogue that's just going to say something when I walk up to them. I get upset when I have to do something like that.
1: Well, like from what I remember, man, like playing the game through some parts could be not necessarily the most engaging. Yeah. But for the most part, like if you play the game the way it's like intended in the directions that it points you to go, like progress can be made fairly easily. Uh, the only like thing having to be is like potentially having to like grind a little bit to level your characters up.
0: That's part of a JRPG, in my opinion. Grinding, that's mm-hmm. just.
1: Which, speaking of like JRPGs, uh, you do have like your traditional like rival groups and stuff. Your main uh bad guys call themselves the Prophets. They're also uh the a spoiler, the demons of uh, Philgian legend that apparently caused the quote unquote apocalypse, if you want to call it that. That turned everything into a desert. And then you've also got a character named Janice, who later on in the story you find is actually been working for the Prophets. Damn it, Janet. Uh, his full name is Janice Cascade. Oh
0: my goodness, I thought you said Janet. No. <laughs> I was thinking of Rocky Horror Picture Show.
1: No. But he's like a pretty ruthless character, but he's supposed to be kind of like the joke character. Yeah. Kind of like the joke rival that kind of like pops in, pops out kind of thing. He is eventually kind of, like, manipulated by the prophets and come to find out that he was supposed to be, like, sacrificed in the end and kind of, like, tries to do, like, a, like, revolt rebellion.
0: That's a good enough reason for me to rebel.
1: And from what I remember, it didn't go over too well.
0: Oh, so he got sacrificed in the end.
1: And then uh, your other group is the Schrodinger family. You got Maya Schrodinger, Brother Alfred, a bodyguard named Todd, and a cat. Named Shady.
0: I would not want to be a cat in the Schrodinger family.
1: (laughs) But now, uh, like, uh, Maya was actually, like, uh, one of my favorite video game characters back in the day, like, during school and stuff. Because uh, her ability was that she was able to basically take information from, like, books and comics that she read and was able to, like, utilize those techniques in real life. But she does kind of, like, have, like, a small Easter egg in her personality, uh, she has a Calamity Jane uh, persona that she adopts in one of her fights. And that's a throwback to the first character in the Wild Arms series. Really? hmm
0: Calamity Jane. I used to watch an old actual Western about Calamity Jane.
1: hmm And, uh, like, every time, like, you fight her, like, she's, like, read, like, a new book. And so, like, she's, like, switching it up. Like, I think the first time you fight her, like, she's purely, like, magic and, like, she's weak to physical attacks. But then the next time you fight her, like, she's read, a, like, a book on martial arts and now she's like, like a purely physical fighter that has, like, weak magic defense.
0: She's like the Pokemon trainer It's always getting something new or evolving their Pokemon and something you wouldn't expect.
1: But uh, in the Prophets, it's a trio. Lee Holt, Melody, and Malik. They want to actually, their overall thing is that they actually want to restore the planet as well. However, they don't care, like, what kind of, like, sacrifice needs to be made for it to happen.
0: Ah, uh, the end justifies the means.
1: Well, they, like, have, like, personal agendas, too. Like, Lee hall like, he wants to, like, take over the world. You know, typical. <laughs> uh, Melody wants to basically, like, have eternal youth and beauty. Very vain. Malik wants to resurrect his mother.
0: Oh, well, that's much more
1: sad. Than- There's a recurring character that I've come to find out, uh, in the form of Siegfried that appears in this game. He was one of the driving bad guys, who is an actual demon that is resurrected by the Prophets and who ends up turning the trio into more actual demons.
0: Every time I hear the name Siegfried, I think of Vegas performers.
1: Pretty much like Virginia and her group. It's Virginia, Jet, Live, and Gallows.
0: I like the name Gallows.
1: Each of them, like I said before, too, like they have like the different like weapons, abilities, and stuff. Uh, Virginia uses uh, dual revolvers that she gets from her dad, which that's kind of like her main thing with trying to go out into the world is she's trying to... Find her dad, because he just kind of, like, up and left one day.
0: Went to get the milk or
1: some scratcher. Well, apparently, I think, if I remember right, like, her father was a drifter as well, but then, like, he just kind of, like, went out and disappeared.
0: It seems like something could happen when you're a drifter.
1: And so, like, she decided she wanted to go out and become a drifter as well, and she wanted to, like, try to help people. was kind of, like, her main driving factor behind that, but she also wanted to find her father.
0: Two burns, one stone. It's a noble calling. You hear a drifter. You don't exactly think of hero, do you?
1: Then you got Jet. He's pretty, he's kind of like your typical kind of like edgy, aloof, kind of like smart-ass kind of character. The fun ones. He wields a uh, machine gun as his arm. He uh, suffers from amnesia, like he doesn't know necessarily like where he's from or like how he came to be or anything like that. And later on in the story, you come to find out that he's connected to Virginia's father because Jet wasn't so much born as he was created. Oh, And his quote-unquote father-slash-creator is a member of the Council of Seven, which is a group of seven people that built a facility known as Yggdrasil in an attempt to kind of like reboot the planet, make it better.
0: With the World Tree facility.
1: Kind of sort of, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, something went wrong, and rather than doing as intended, it actually did the opposite and sucked what remained, what kind of like fertility remained in the planet kind of like into the Yggdrasdl plant. Oh. And that was kind of like uh, what fueled the main driving force behind the game. Uh, that's how the prophets came to be. That's how uh, many people ended up disappearing throughout the game. That kind of thing. Then you've got Clive. He's supposed to be kind of like the oldest character, the mature one. Very cool-headed, very gentlemanly. He's a uh, also a uh, family man. He's a mercenary by trade and a drifter, but he mainly does it like to be able to take care of his family. Uh, his arm is a sniper rifle, which is, uh, in this world, like a uh, prototype weapon that was invented by his mentor.
0: It's going to become very popular, especially in the Call of Duty crowd.
1: Now, uh, Gallows is a... Uh, a member of the Baskar tribe, which is an a, a indigenous uh, people to uh, the planet uh, Felgaia. He's actually like, the reason why you encounter him is because he actually left his tribe because he comes from a family of priests. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't, basically he was like, I don't want to live that life. So he left. That's fair. However, his brother is what's known as a dream seer and is actually the one of the uh, main driving forces for the plot in the story often. Because uh, he dreams of what's known as the Blue Menace. Basically, is kind of like the he's the reason why the party like finds out about like the demons and Yggdrasil and stuff. Because they go from just kind of like exploring, looking for Virginia's dad and helping people out, to uncovering like this big conspiracy plot. To the, the world's like on the verge of dying, and like it can either be saved or destroyed, and there's demons involved, and legends, and all kinds of stuff. And uh, Gallo's uh, arm is a sawed-off shotgun. I like
0: the idea of these weapons.
1: hmm That's kind of the majority of the plot, though. Like, uh, Virginia takes off, wants to uh, become an adventure drifter. Uh, she gets on the train, She stops the robbery, encounters the other three, they end up teaming up. The initial part of the game is kind of like traveling to like everybody's quote-unquote like hometown. uh, Finding out more about their backstory a little bit. Getting a little bit stronger along the way. Finding out uh, about the Guardians. uh, Finding them. Incorporating them into battle and everything. And then just kind of progressing through the story. Fighting your rivals every now and then. And then eventually getting to the big bosses. Uh, The game's kind of like split up into three parts. Janus is kind of like your kind of like forefront bad guy for the first couple of parts, and then that's when the prophets and the demons take over, uh, specifically uh, Siegfried and uh, Beatrice.:
0: We have plenty of story going on at least.:
1: I mean, like I, I really like the world building, and I like the music the most. Uh, as far as like the actual like mechanics of the gameplay and everything, mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a little bit like tedious and boring. And the characters have good potential for... They could have been fleshed out more, but they were not. So, if anything, like, I encourage you, if you play the game, kind of, like, use your imagination to kind of, like, fill in the gaps.
0: That's okay. It makes for a nice uh, tabletop RPG. You have to fill in the blanks a lot of times.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I'll put it this way. Like, some of the characters, like, have a really good, like, base to their personality and, like, character overall. But they could have added more in places to just... Give them more depth, not be quite so one dimensional in certain aspects.
0: Yeah, as it is, they come across as a little bit stereotypical, whatever their theme is. Yeah. Uh, Which. That's a JRPG thing, too, sometimes.
1: Which one odd thing, too, about the game, from what I remember, uh, the main character, Virginia, uh, even though she's supposed to be like the main protagonist you know, the main character out of everybody, she never, like, gets any kind of, like, real special treatment. Like, she's not the best at any one thing, other than, like, she's pretty fast. So, I, I like, thought
0: you were going to say fat. I really <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Uh,
1: like, she's pretty fast, like, in the regard that, like, usually a lot of times in combat, like, she almost always goes first. Yeah. But other than that, she never gets any kind of, like, super special abilities. She doesn't get any kind of, like, weird power-up form that's kind of, like, kind of standard to a lot of J- JRPGs. She just kind of exists. She's just really nice. She's like, I want to help everybody. I want to find my dad. To me, I think it's like a nice like little casual game to play. Uh, Again, like I said before, if you want to play it through to completion to beat the game, you're looking at anywhere at least 30 to 40 hours, depending on like a little bit of luck and just your dedication to playing the game. But if you're wanting to 100% it, because I know that there's completionists out there like that, If you are any of the listeners, uh, like I said earlier in the cast, uh, we're looking at probably closer to 80 hours. uh, If you want to, like, pretty hardcore, go at 100%ing everything. I mean, there's, like, the concept of magic in the world. Like, it's not, like, super forefront, but, like, it is, like, a concept of, like, a spiritual one. Again, like, that Wild West motif. So, think Industrial Revolution. Like, trains are very modern. In a sense, like, you can almost think of it as, like, post-apocalyptic. Because there was an ancient civilization that was fairly advanced. But because of the Yggdrasil incident, uh, it basically dried up the planet and caused the majority of the other rest of the civilization to crumble.
0: You know, this has a very vast feeling.
1: Yes. Well, I mean, like, and like hey, you like cutscenes? They've got some pretty fleshed out, uh, fully animated cutscenes for the game. Like, I think that was part of one of the reasons why like, I enjoyed the game so much. Like, Straight up, if you enjoy Vash the Stampede, whether it's the old one, especially the old one, but even the new one, you'll probably enjoy this game.
0: I seen the artwork on this, and it come well. A little bit you showed me, and it seemed very Vashy. Mm-hmm.
1: My recommendation, though, listeners, if you do decide to play the game, uh, my advice is: have fun. Try not to take it too super seriously, but level up your arms. Hit the bench press. Well, well, uh, essentially like hitting the smithy and leveling up your arms and, or getting better ones is going to be like your best bet most of the time. Uh, there's all kinds of different attributes to each of the arms that you can upgrade uh, per arm. So, uh, depending on what you want to go with. But you will be investing essentially almost all of your gold into that. So, just be mindful starting out. Like, save your money. So that way you can spend it on upgrading your stuff.
0: That's what I mostly spend my money on in games now, anyway.
1: Well, I mean, like, it might seem a little bit, like, more common sense nowadays with, like, more modern, like, RPGs and everything. But, specifically with this game, like, like, yeah, like, depending on your play style, you know, like, do as you wish. But just my personal recommendation is save your money up and wait till you get, you know, like, a good, you know, like, something past... The base weapons and upgrade those and upgrade them fairly high. Uh, there's one area I want to say it's like the third town maybe that you come to, and the surrounding area isn't too bad for farming monsters, so you can like gain resources fairly quickly. And there's a smithy there that's pretty easily accessible that can upgrade your arms uh, pretty good. And if I want to say um, I could be wrong, but the very first time I ever played the game, I'm pretty sure I uh, kind of like glitched that smith and was somehow able to like max out uh, every attribute of the arms that I had at the time.
0: You know, the last game you talked about, you mentioned glitching some stuff. I'm beginning to wonder if you're not just a big cheater, Dakota.
1: Hey, <laughs> I don't mean to do it.
0: Uh-huh, sure.
1: Hey, I always go back and replay the game and I, I make sure I don't do it again. Because like, I'm pretty sure that that's what locked the game the first time I played.
0: I'm going to put the PS4 edition of this in, the, 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 if you want to link to it. It won't be an affiliate link or anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sony changed their attitude about things like that.
0: Yeah, that'll be there. Good news, now that it's on PS4, maybe you could pay real world money or some fake world money to upgrade your arms. <laughs> Microtransaction your way into success. Uh, possibly. But I- I'm just making that up. I mean, it sounds nice. I like the world. I don't know if I'd want to... Me and JRPGs don't go really well together, so... Well,
1: that's why I said, like, it's a good casual game. Yeah. like, it's something that you can kind of, like, pick up, and you don't necessarily have to really hardcore follow the plot to play the game. One concept of the game I did like was it gave you the uh, ability, there were these special coins that you could get that would create save points wherever you were at, so you could save your game.
0: See, that's the thing. It's, like, quick save is a thing now. Back then, you had to earn it.
1: Basically, so basically, you could quick save, but you could even do it in the middle of dungeons and stuff. So, if you needed to like get off the game right then and there, you could, you know, essentially like drop a coin, save, Mm -hmm. turn off the game, and then come back and you'd be exactly where you were at, or be like me and be stingy, not use the coin, and just like turn the TV off but leave the PlayStation running. Yes, which was not good. I do not recommend doing that,
0: burn those discs up real good. Yes,
1: but. Which, that could have been an issue with my glitch, too, or my game freezing. I don't know, but...
0: Or your PlayStation 4.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'd engage the power-saving mode. I've got that set to where, like, I don't touch it for like an hour that thing cuts off. Yeah. But, I don't know, maybe it's just like I hadn't played it for a minute, and when it finally got access to the internet, the new software update possibly had an issue with the hard drive. But, I mean, it's also old, too, so it's hard to tell.
0: Yeah. If it wasn't so weird with the weapon thing, Mm -hmm. I I would say it'd make enough, like, tabletop RPG setting.
1: Well, I mean, i say it probably wouldn't be hard to do that, even with the... Because, like, with the arm setup, like, you could, like, spend resources to, like, upgrade certain aspects. Like, basically, like, your gun has a character sheet for its attributes. Yeah. And then you could just, like, spend points to upgrade those attributes.
0: Okay. I mean, you could do it, yeah. And there's, like, so many RPGs out there, it wouldn't be that hard to do... I've thought about some of the games I talk about adding, like, this tabletop RPG could you be used to play in this game if you want, adding that in there.
1: <laughs> well, I've actually thought about, like, either, like, trying to do research to see if there might already be kind of like a Wild West, uh, you know, that's got mild, uh, a Wild West RPG that has mechanics set up already kind of, like, in that sense for guns. Yeah. But if not, I was actually thought about, like, maybe trying to, like, come up with the mechanics for like, different firearms in that sense, like, different attributes that they can have that you could upgrade, and how that incorporated to how you would roll for, like, attack and damage with them.
0: I've got no less than four Western or magical Western-themed tabletop role-playing games.
1: Like, I just want to specifically look at, like, the mechanics that govern, like, the guns and, like, their attributes. Like, Like, I know sometimes with, like, some systems it's just very simple just to be like, okay, it's like this to hit. And, like, if you do hit, then it does this, and it might have this extra effect to kind of, like, just make it simplified. I'm more along the lines of, like, if you want to, like, take it and you want to upgrade, like, specifically, like, the the magazine size or, like, the reload speed or something like that, you know, to where, like, if you upgrade, like, maybe, say, to, like, a level 3 reload speed, like, that makes it to where, like, instead of taking an action to reload, it can do, you can do it as a bonus action. I might uh, try to sit down and write that out one day and uh, maybe give it to you. And maybe that's something that you could like talk about in your brother knows quest and maybe compare it like in one of your, you know, more uh, firearm oriented tabletops. Yes.
0: I would happily do that. I like to bring new things into our stuff. I'm talking about monster of the week in this coming week because it's cryptid
1: month for us. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. So yeah, anything is, Well, I can add on to uh, something next month or whatever.
1: <laughs> that pretty much does it for me man
0: like I said I'll add the link to this on the PS4 version into our descriptions should I add the PS2? I really don't know if I should just to be perfectly honest Uh,
1: I mean like you can add it if you want to uh, I'll just say disclaimer with the PS2 titles uh, especially with it being an older game Unless you get one in really good condition it might be just hard to play anyway uh, you might be better off just trying to do it with the, uh, the PS4 edition However, if anything, if you're a collector, shouldn't be that expensive.
0: If there's an Amazon link for the PS2 edition, it is an affiliate link. So we'll get a little kickback from that if you use that link to buy anything in the store. But the PlayStation Network one isn't. so But it's there for you if you want it. We have a podcast network called Carousim Gaming Group. We have three podcasts on that, including this one. Another one I do with my sister called Horrific History and Hauntings. Everything about it is in the name. She tells me about something in history or haunting. A lot of times there's a lot of crossover, disasters, stuff like that. Some of the stuff could be funny. Some of it's kind of serious. Another one that I do with my sister is Brother Knows Quest. It's a podcast where I bring a random tabletop role-playing game off my shelf and tell her about it in the setting and see what she thinks of it in the end, and maybe if she'd ever want to play it. We might end up doing some actual plays of Dakota, since so he's the one that got me into tabletop games in the first place.
1: I had no idea what I'd started.
0: I have shelves of them. If you would like to watch us on YouTube, you will find the link in the description. And if you'd like to listen to us instead of watch us, the link to our website is there as well. If you'd like to make a donation, the link to the website will take you to all three podcasts and you can click on one of those podcasts and have a donation option. We would really appreciate it. Or just find some episodes you like the content of and there'll usually be an affiliate link down in there too. If you want to buy something you like, it'll help us out.
1: Oh yeah. Also too, guys, uh, like I say about uh, every episode, we'd love to hear back. From y'all, you know, if you have any feedback, comments, questions, concerns, anything that you'd like to hear, maybe something specific that you'd like us to try to cover or anything like that, you know, just let us know. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Yep. We have a TikTok called Gruesome Gaming G and we have a Twitter account. The link will be in the description for that one. Leave a review if you're watching on YouTube or listening on a podcast app It lets you do it. Leave a review. Let us know what you think. If it's something not good, that's fine. We'll try to fix it, and
1: we'll go from there. The only other thing I will say is um, if you do uh, play Wild Arms 3 and you enjoy it, I do recommend uh, looking at the other titles in the series.
0: One and two or four. I don't know how many there are.
1: Uh, there's several others. I'm not sure on exactly how many. I want to say there's at least six total. Uh, however, I'll put it this way. Uh, probably someone that can give you a little bit more in-depth knowledge on that. Uh, is a youtube channel i recommend uh called the completionist on youtube if you've ever heard of them i've heard of him uh he uh, did a video on uh wild arms code f i believe it was called and uh in that video i do believe he does touch on some of the other titles in the series
0: well there you go you got a reference at least get an idea what the game's like if you watch that if you like it you know where to find it but i guess that's going to be all for this week We appreciate you listening or watching or both. You've been listening to Leveling Duo. I've been Ramey.
1: And this has been Dakota. Logging off. Logging off.